Hey everyone and welcome to Games Are Fun, the weekly video game podcast show that talks about video game news stories and highlights. I'm your host Luke Armstrong. Thank you for joining me on another episode. If this is your first episode of Games Are Fun, welcome. I hope you enjoy your stay. Thank you very much for coming. Of course, for those of you who don't know, and just a reminder to everyone else, Games Are Fun is available every Tuesday at Mount every Tuesday at Mountain Time. No, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Daylight Time. And here's here's a little thing. I hate daylight savings time. It is the worst. Like today specifically, I it was just like it's I'm outside at 4:30 p.m. and it's dark out and it is miserable because by 5:30 it's like it's pitch it's dark it's nighttime and that sucks because then your evening feels like it's basically wasted you by the time you get home from work it's bedtime you know and it sucks i will say that when daylight savings time kind of makes it well like whenever i guess at this time of year um when you wake up in the morning and it is dark out I actually like that part of daylight savings time because then I feel productive. You know, I'm up and at them before the sun comes up. I'm being productive. I'm getting things done. Not really, but it, it makes me feel like a better person, you know. And so I like I like it, that side of it. Every, everything else can go away. So if there's just that aspect of it that I could experience year, year round, I'd be game. I'd be totally cool for that. But anyways, Games Are Fun is available every Tuesday, 10 a.m. Mountain Daylight Time. If you want to make sure you don't miss a show, you know what you could do? You could head over to iTunes, Google Play, CastBox, or SoundCloud and subscribe to the show and set up those notifications so you know every time there's a new episode of Games Are Fun. What's happening in today's episode? Well, there's a lot of the stories from last week that I, you know, there's a couple stories that broke, I think like a day after I recorded last week's episode. And I was like, God dang it. I missed out on some bangers of some, some video game news. So that's kind of, I had to wait the week and finally got to record this episode and talk to you guys all about all the cool things that I want to talk about. So the first one is the game awards that are happening on December 6th have announced the nominees in each category. So I'm going to be running through uh, the game awards and all the nominees for each category and kind of give you guys a little bit of taste of what I'm feeling like the winner is going to be for each category. And then it also got me a little pumped because I thought, you know, I need to do an episode Probably, I would say, mid-December, I'm going to do an episode called the Gaff Awards. Now, there's no trophies, and I don't present it to any developers or anything. I basically just come on the show like I do every week, and I tell you guys what my favorite games are in each category. I think that'd be fun. I think that'd be cool. So, to start off, before I get into everything, I am going to put it out to you guys um, I'm going to say it at the top of the show, and I'm also going to remind everyone at the end of the show that I would really appreciate if you guys sent in your game of the year awards, I guess, what you, what games made an impact on you in 2018. So I'm thinking of you, I'm not going to list categories that you need to send in, but obviously the big one is game of the year. What is the game that came out this year that really um made an impact on you and that you find it is the best game for you uh this isn't something that i want to do and talk about 
it's basically based on impressions. Just like myself and the games that I'm going to list. There's lots of good games that came out this year, but I can only vouch for the ones I've played. So I'm going to be talking kind of a little bit about that. So send in your suggestions like that. So game of, game of the year, uh, maybe best story of the year, best, uh, what else could we do? Best multiplayer game of the year, best indie game of the year, best Nintendo Switch exclusive, best PlayStation exclusive, that kind of stuff. This is just to get the juices flowing, get you thinking about it. Anyways, you can send those suggestions into me at the email address gamesarefunpodcast at gmail.com. I'm also going to post a post. I'm going to post a post on Facebook and that you could comment on there and send in your suggestions that way. Or you could go over to Twitter at gamesarefun underscore. I know, not a great twitter handle i gotta change that but you know tweet at me uh games and yeah i'll read them out on next week's show or not next week's but when the, sh- the i do my game awards and talk about my favorite games of the year i'll read out your guys's and what you have to say about those games so i'm gonna keep pitching that until the the week before the episode airs again so that's probably gonna be three episodes away so can just send me them in. I think it'd be fun. It makes the show more interactive. I'm just a guy sitting in my office with a microphone talking to myself, but I'm really talking to you guys. And I want, I want that, uh, that communication to come from the, the other side there. So send in your suggestions and I'm really looking forward to what you guys have to say. So today's show, we're going to be talking about the game awards because the game awards are probably the biggest awards in the gaming industry. For the most part and uh yeah i wanted to run through the categories because there's some pretty pretty much everything was as expected as it usually is each year but there's some cool games on there that i didn't actually think would make the list under certain categories so that's cool so we'll talk about that and then big news last week crazy news actually this is like blew up on the internet playstation is not going to be at e3 2019 Big, big story. Um, What does that mean? What does that mean for Sony? What does that mean for PlayStation fans? What is Sony going to be announcing then next year if they're not going to be doing a press conference at E3? Well, I have some thoughts and opinions on the the whole thing. And so I'm going to share that with you guys. And then to end off the show, I've been playing Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. And I got to say, a little teaser here, it is blowing my expectations out of the water. I had pretty low expectations for the game. And I that was a good strategy because I had such low standards on things. I'm now super, I'm caught off guard and surprised and the game's actually a lot better than I expected. And so I'm gonna be giving my thoughts and impressions on the game. I'm only like two and a half hours into it. I haven't really taken a deep enough dive to give you a full review of it, but I could share some cool things that I like about it. So that's what the episode looks like. Um, So sit back, relax, enjoy, and let's get to it. So the Game Awards happen every December. And I would say for the most part in years past, the the, the big award obviously is Game of the Year. And I would say I've agreed with majority of the nominees and winners from years past. And I'm talking about specifically the Game Awards since they started in 2014. Of course, you had Spike TV's Video Game Awards those are dead now and this is the new uh jeff has revamped the awards it's a new 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 thing that uh started in 2014 and it's definitely better it's a great ceremony to highlight games in the industry and developers in the industry but it's also really sweet because we get 
cool announcements and stuff from it as well and cool like exclusive trailers um, for new games that haven't been announced yet so it's a really awesome show altogether right for a multitude of reasons but obviously i'm very excited to look at who won the awards uh, for 2018 it was crazy because you look back at 2017 and i that was such a good year of gaming to think that horizon zero dawn and legend of zelda and super mario odyssey and see there's so many good games that clearly i i just i'm listing so many no there there were so many good games that came out last year that um I, I just, I didn't even have the time to play them all because there were so many to, to, to catch up on. And I still haven't played some of the games that I really wanted to play from last year. So it was a really good year. And I thought, you know, this is like one of those years in gaming that I don't know, it's going to be a while until we get another year with a ton of awesome releases. And you know what? Then 2018 happened and we got games like Red Dead 2. We got God of War. We got... Spider-Man, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Monster Hunter World, like there were so many good games that came out this year. And so let's just get into it and jump into this year's nominees for the Game Awards. So for Game of the Year, obviously the big award, we got Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Celeste, God of War, Marvel's Spider-Man, Monster Hunter World, and Red Dead Redemption 2. So right off the gate here, right out the gate, not off the gate. Um, I'm super impressed with Assassin's Creed Odyssey made this made it was a nominee for game of the year because Assassin's Creed Odyssey just came out um I haven't had a chance to play it because I said I was been playing Red Dead and I just finished Spider-Man and it just for timing for me it was I had too many games on the board but I am definitely going to pick up Assassin's Creed Odyssey hopefully before the end of the year I, I don't know if it's going to be like a black it's got it's on sale on Black Friday so I might pick it up but I mean there's so many other games out there I don't know it's as high on my list as some other games, but yeah, from what I've read in the community and what I've seen online, this game really blew people out of the water. We just had Assassin's Creed Origins last year, right? And that they totally revamped the Assassin's Creed franchise. They changed up the gameplay style and some of the core mechanics that make up an Assassin's Creed game. They changed them and they did that by taking you know, a couple years off to develop this game instead of doing the, there's a new Assassin's Creed game every year, right? Look at Call of Duty. I think they freshen up because they have so many different studios working on different Call of Duty games. So every year you're getting a new Call of Duty game, but it's also developed by a different studio who has a different vision. Whereas Assassin's Creed is, yes, it's pulling different assets from all the Ubisoft studios all around the world. But the thing is, you know, you can only do so much in a year. And so I think that giving them the extra time to flush out Assassin's Creed Origins was a really big, big deal. And Assassin's Creed Odyssey, people automatically, when it was announced, thought, oh, they're going back to their old ways. But from what I've read of it, it actually is an exceptional game that has just a really awesome detailed world. It's full of content. It's full of life. And I'm really excited. And so I think that I'm honestly... I'm hoping that Assassin's Creed Odyssey can pull in some big awards because I think that's great that something um, 
I like I, I genuinely didn't expect for it to to be in the game of the year category when it was first announced. So very interesting. Celeste is a indie game. Uh, I recently got it on the Switch. I've wanted it for the longest time. It's a game that scored very highly in its reviews on lots of game journalist um, websites and such. Has a very high rating on Metacritic, and. I can kind of get the vibe as to why. I've refrained from looking up what this game is about because I want an experience for it from myself because people are praising it so much as being this little small indie game that just packs uh, a really great story and really good gameplay into it. I wanted to experience that myself. So I, like I said, refrained from looking up what this game was. And so now I've played probably about two hours. I finished like the first two, three chapters, I would say. And I can kind of, I'm starting to get a vibe as to that there is a deeper story inside this narrative that Celeste has. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. It isn't, everyone looks at it and thinks it's just a 2D platformer. But I, I, I have the impression that this game has a lot more. So if you're looking for a, a cheaper game, because I know games are expensive nowadays, and you're looking for a game that's on the, the less expensive side, Look, try check out Celeste. I think you'll have fun with it. I'm having a blast with it, and it's really cool that an indie game like this is a nominee for Game of the Year. And then we have God of War. I mean, again, I can't speak too much of this. This is probably a game I'm actually going to buy on Black Friday because it's down to like $29.99. And people are like, why have you waited so long to play God of War? It is definitely one of the best games of the year, if not one of the best games of this generation. The thing is, at the time when God of War came out in the spring, it was at a time where I didn't have a lot of disposable income and I couldn't just dish out 80 bucks for a game right then and there. So I was like, okay, I'll wait for a bit. And then, you know, life happens and you kind of forget about it. And then by the time you want to go back to it there's other things that have come up that are fresher and newer and the conversation is surrounding them and so it's like you know everyone's kind of moved on from god of war not that they don't like it a lot of people still are i think this is probably going to be the winner of game of the year but you know the conversation in the industry is on other games like spider-man and red dead and so when it came time for those ones i'm like i want to hit that mark and get the games when they release um, this fall. So I'm excited to go and experience it myself. It's really cool because I think the thing with game awards is people have to remember that it's the entire year, right? We have games like I like God of War came out on the first half of the year, and then we have games like Red Dead Two who came out you know just a couple weeks ago and are, are very fresh in our memory, or Spider Man that came out a couple months ago. And I think it's important to tap in if we really had a good experience. Like Zelda had this last year, right? That even though there was great games at the end of the year and we're, those games are probably fresher in people's minds when they were voting and, and, and such, they still could tap in to the experience that they had with Zelda from earlier in the year. And it it held up for the entire year that they, by the end of the year, they still felt so strongly about Zelda that they thought it deserved game of the year. So I think God of the War is one of those games that can do that. So I'm really excited to finally experience it. Um, yeah. And then 
We have Marvel's Spider-Man. Of course, I've talked about this game on the show. I got it. Dane did. I did a whole episode on my impressions on it. And it is, hands down, one of the funnest games I've ever played. The mechanics in it are some of the best mechanics I've ever experienced in playing a video game. Just how you traverse across the city and web sling and the fighting mechanics and the combat system are just incredible. I platinum that game i 100 percented it i have not done any dlc stuff but uh, i think eventually i'm gonna purchase those dlc packs so i can jump back into spider-man or i can swing back into spider-man and then we have monster hunter world again a game that came out in january of 2018 again not a big uh monster hunter fan i've kind of checked out the games here and there this one from what i understand is quite quite different from the rest of the series who have kind of went were popularized on handheld systems like the 3ds and psp and so yeah i i don't i'm not gonna lie i probably am not going to experience monster hunter world before the end of the year this is probably something that i might pick up when it gets discounted and i think that's just because it's a it's a multiplayer heavy game i don't really have a lot of friends if any, who would be interested in this game. So I don't think it's necessarily the game for me. Nonetheless, I think it, from what I've, again, watched online on Twitch, I've watched streams of it, I've seen reviews, and I think it's, again, a game deserving of the Game of the Year award. And then Red Dead Redemption 2, of course, um, I don't even need to explain why this would be a a game that is worthy of Game of the Year because... It's exceptional. I rolled credits on Red Dead Redemption 2 probably a week ago, and that was took me about 65 hours, and I completed about 80%, 85% of the game through that. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about missions and stranger encounters and that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about going and hunting every animal and fishing every fish. Do you even, <laughs> fishing a fish, is that fishing, fishing a fish? I think that I think that's a thing. Anyways, um, I'm I really honestly think that it's going to be down to God of War and Red Dead Redemption Two. But from what I've seen in the community and the industry, I think game the game of the year is going to go to God of War. So we'll have to wait and see. So let's go on with the other categories. I'm not going to do a deep. I wanted to do a deep dive into each one of those nominees for game of the year. I'm not going to do that for every category. So I'm just going to list. The rest here so best ongoing game award to a game for outstanding development of ongoing content that evolves the player experience over time so you got destiny 2 forsaken fortnite no man's sky which is very interesting in my opinion overwatch and tom clancy's rainbow six siege um out of those just reading my bet is on fortnite i don't really think no man's sky has a chance overwatch i would say in the last year has at least me see i can't say this because I, i'm sure the, like the overwatch community is huge but um i would say fortnite still has the upper hand on on games like that and uh for sure over destiny and rainbow six siege as well best game direction award to a game studio for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design so you have a way out by haze light studios that's that game if you watched uh the game awards last year you know exactly who's responsible for a way out he's the guy that said f the oscars 
Um, look up that clip on YouTube if you haven't seen it. Definitely one of the best moments from the Game Awards last year. You got Detroit Become Human. I played about half of Detroit Become Human. I borrowed it from the library. I had to return it. But now that I'm done Red Dead 2, I am put back on the wait list because there's like 80... It's a newer game. And so there's like a bunch of people ahead of me again. And so I have to go through the system again until I get the game back. And then hopefully I can... Uh, go back to Detroit, become human. Then you have God of War, Marvel, Spider-Man, and Red Dead 2. Best narrative for outstanding storytell and narrative development in a game. Detroit, become human, God of War, Life is Strange 2, Episode 1, Marvel, Spider-Man, and Red Dead Redemption 2. Best art direction for outstanding creative and or technical achievement in artistic design and animation. Assassin's Creed Odyssey, God of War, Octopath Traveler. That's that Nintendo Switch exclusive Red Dead Redemption 2 and Return of the Obradine, which I had never heard of until I looked through this nomination list. And looking at the art style of it, I can understand why it's getting a nominee. Just go look up Return of the Obradine and you will see exactly what I mean. Best score slash music presented by Spotify. For outstanding music inclusive of score original song, and or licensed soundtrack. So you have Celeste, God of War, Marvel, Spider-Man, Nino Kuni 2, Revenant Kingdom, Octopath Traveler, and Red Dead Redemption 2. Best Audio Design, presented by Dolby. Recognizing the best in-game audio and sound design, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, Forza Horizon 4, God of War, Marvel, Spider-Man, and Red Dead Redemption 2. Best Performance, award to the individual for voice, overacting, motion, and or performance capture. So you have Brian Deckard as Connor from Detroit Become Human. You have Christopher Judge as Kratos from God of War. Oh, geez. Uh, Melissa. Oh, geez. Melissa. I can't say it. Melissanthi Mahut as Cassandra, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I probably butchered that. Roger Clark as Arthur Morgan, Red Dead Redemption 2, and Yuri. Lowenthal as Peter Parker, Marvel Spider-Man. Games for impact. So for a thought-provoking game with a profound pro pro-social meaning or message. So you have 1111 Memories Retold, Celeste, Florence. Just a side note, Florence is going to come up again, but Florence is a mobile game that's like three three or four bucks on Google Play and iOS. Just go and download the game. It's like an hour long. It has an extremely thought-provoking, like it, it fits the definition for games for impact. Um, seriously, highly recommend it. Go do it now. It's like three bucks. Um, you can download it on your phone. You can play it with one hand. It's really quick and easy. It's about an hour-ish long, maybe a little less than that, depending on how quick you go through it. And it definitely gets thoughts going through your head. It makes you ref- it's basically i don't want to spoil it just go and experience it for yourself um you have no excuse because as the <laughs> diablo immortal developers would say for their diablo mobile game don't complain about getting a mobile game because you all have phones you have no excuse not to buy our game life is strange 2 episode 1 the Missing, J.J. Massafield, and The Island of Memories. Best independent game for outstanding creative and technical achievement in a game made outside the traditional publisher system. So we have Celeste, Dead Cells, Into the Breach, Return of the Oberdeen, and The Messenger. Best mobile game for the best 
game playable on a dedicated mobile device. Donut County, which looks absolutely awesome. I still have yet to buy it. I think it's because it was on a little bit on the pricier side, but I'll definitely be picking that game up when it drops in price. Florence, which I previously mentioned, Fortnite, PUBG Mobile, and Reigns Game of Thrones. <sighs> Had to get a drink. Best VR AR game. For the best game experience playable in virtual or augmented reality, irrespective of platform. Astrobot Rescue Mission, Beat Saber, Firewall Zero Hour, Moss, and Tetris Effect. From what I hear, Tetris Effect is blowing people's minds on how good it is. It was kind of a sleeper hit. Um, they didn't expect it to be as good as it is. It's a game, it's a Tetris game, obviously, but it's playable in VR. It's also playable just on your PS4. But it, um, I really want to experience that game in VR. Coleman Dean, you got that PlayStation VR. I got to get this game, bring it over so we can experience it. Is it? Let, I'll, 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 you know, I'll message you, Coleman, and we'll we'll set something up. Best action game: Call of Duty, Black Ops Four, Dead Cells, Destiny Two, Forsaken, Far Cry Five, and Mega Man Eleven, which is actually quite surprising. Best action slash adventure game. Um. Sorry, I should read the definitions. Best action game, which I previously went over, is for the best game in the action genre focused on combat. And the best action adventure game, for the best action adventure game combining combat with traversal and puzzle solving. So those are the difference between those awards. Uh, so for best action adventure, you got Assassin's Creed Odyssey, God of War, Marvel Spider-Man, Red Dead Redemption 2, and Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Best RPG, for the best game designed with rich player character customization and progression including massively multiplayer experiences so you got dragon quest 11 echoes of an elusive age monster hunter world nino kuni 2 revenant kingdom octopath traveler and pillars of eternity 2 dead fire best fighting game blaze blue blaze blue cross tag battle dragon ball fighter z soul caliber 7 6 6 <laughs> I got to read, learn to read Newman, Ro, Newman Romanals, Street Fighter 4, Street Fighter 5 Arcade Edition. And then for best family game, for the best game appropriate for family play, irrespective of genre or platform, Mario Tennis Aces, Nintendo Labo, Overcooked 2, Starlink Battle for Atlas, and Super Mario Party. Best strategy game, best game focused on real-time or turn-based strategy gameplay, irrespective of platform. The Banner Saga 3, Battletech. Frostpunk, Into the Breach, and Valkyria Chronicles 4. Best sports racing game for the best traditional and non-traditional sports and racing game. FIFA 19, Forza Horizon 4, Mario Tennis Aces, and NBA 2K19, and Pro Evolution Soccer 2019. Best multiplayer game. Call of Duty Black Ops 4, Destiny Forsaken, Destiny 2 Forsaken, Fortnite, Monster Hunter World, and Sea of Thieves. Shout out to Sea of Thieves for uh, getting a nomination. Um, I didn't, to be honest, really fun game. I didn't think it would make, uh, a nominee for game, a game award, but that's really cool. Best student game, combat 2018, Dash, Kazar, Jera, Lif, and Ari Charge. Best debut indie game, Donut County, Florence, Moss, The Messenger, and Yoku's Island Express. Best esports game, Counter-Strike, Go, Dota 2, Fortnite, League of Legends, Overwatch, and then this is stuff that I, it's, it's so foreign to me, I have no idea. Best Esports Player presented by Omen by HP. Um, Dominique, Sonic Fox, McLean, Hajimi, 
Takedo Teneguchi. Oh my gosh. I'm so bad at pronouncing names. Uh, you know what? Yeah, bunch of easy, no disrespect. I can't. Some of these are like their gamer tags, and I just can't do it. Um, yeah, and then best esports team: Astralis, Cloud9, Fnatic, London Spitfire, and OG. Best esports coach: uh, same thing. Uh, names <laughs> are going to be difficult. Um, no disrespect to the esports community. I. I don't follow esports a lot, so I don't know a lot of these people's names, and I just don't want to butcher them. Um, so go over to the Game Awards website and check out those categories if you are interested in esports. Um, and then there's the best esports event, best esports host, best esports moment, and then uh, content creator of the year. And that's it. That is the nominees and categories for the Game Awards. So I'm really interested to see who. Who pulls when you who pulls bin? Oh my gosh. Who pulls in the big win? You have a lot of games like Red Dead Redemption 2, Spider-Man, God of War, who are nominees in a bunch of categories. So we'll see what happens there. I'm really excited. December 6th, make sure you check it out if you uh, want to see who wins. Alright, now getting to a very, very big story that I honestly thought was a fake article when it was announced. Like it was some sort of fake leak because um, it kind of leaked before Sony officially announced it. And yeah, it was something that uh, completely caught a lot of people off guard, I think. So it's made official that Sony will not be attending E3 2019, which is crazy to think. Uh, this is the first time that Sony, or yeah, Sony is not a, a attending E3. And since E3 has started, Sony's always been there. And so this is the first time in the history of E3 that that's happened. And so Jason Schreier over at Kotaku.com has the whole story. Sony is skipping E3 2019. Uh, make sure you go over to Kotaku, give them the click for this article, because I'm going to just read the full article because it... Jason Trier, of course, one of the best gaming journalists, has all the information on it, so he deserves the credit. Sony is skipping next year's E3, ditching its traditional booth and press conference in a move that will have a significant negative impact on the video game industry's annual trade show. The Entertainment Software Association, the lobbyist group that runs E3, confirmed the news today, as did Sony. And so here's the quote. As the industry evolves, Sony Interactive Entertainment continues to look for inventive opportunities to engage the community said sony in a statement playstation fans mean the world to us and we always want to innovate think differently and experiment with new ways to delight gamers as a re result sorry as a result we have decided not to participate in e3 in 2019 we are exploring new and familiar ways to engage our community in 2019 and can't wait to share our plans with you this is yet another blow to the annual los angeles trade show which has seen multiple publishers drop out over the past few years Electronic Arts now holds its own event in Hollywood in the days leading up to E3, while last year Microsoft rented out a theater at LA Live, a few minutes away from the convention center where E3 takes place. Nintendo has spent the past five years eschewing traditional press conferences in favor of pre-recorded videos with Sony gone. One of E3's other marquee press conferences will now also not be present in 2019. Sony also typically occupies a massive chunk 
of one of the convention center's two main halls, so the company's absence will leave a significant hole for the ESA to fill. The move makes sense for Sony, as the company's 2019 presser would presumably revolve around three of four games it showcased last year, Death Stranding, The Last of Us 2, and Ghosts of Tsushima, none of which currently have release dates. All three are expected to come out in the latter half of 2019 or later. Sony also skipped this year's PlayStation Experience, a conference that is held every December from 2014 through 2017. It's also yet another hint at the timing of Sony's next PlayStation. Based on conversations with developers across the industry, Jason Stryer expects the PlayStation 5 to be released in 2020, and the publisher skipping E3 2019 certainly points to that. So, a lot to, to tackle here. Um, as Jason kind of mentioned, E3, as the years have gone on, we've seen a lot of changes up from major big dogs like Microsoft, Nintendo, EA, and now Sony pulling out completely. And so this is kind of a big surprise because this is the the biggest press conference event every year in the gaming industry. It's a place to show um, the industry, everyone else in the industry, uh, all the stakeholders, all the gamers, all the fans, what you have cooking in the oven, right? That's where all the major news for new games are are released. Um, new game announcements that haven't been announced yet are announced at E3 press conferences. They're big. It's a big deal. Uh, that's when we started. Games are fun was actually around E3 2018, and there's a lot of hype around this event. And so the fact that PlayStation, probably the king daddy of the console games game the console gaming world, excuse me, is pulling out of the biggest event is pretty interesting. There's a lot of things going on there. Here's what I think it means. And a lot of people are probably line up with the same kind of thoughts. This is kind of a, a general hypothesis that is probably shared along among a lot of people in the industry. And I think it means that Sony is planning some sort of event of their own next year. I don't necessarily believe that it's going to happen around E3's time. I think it could happen later in the year. I think that would make more sense. It's definitely not going to happen before E3. I think we're looking at maybe the fall or maybe even winter. Now, the dangers with that is that that's a year away and that's a long time to stay silent for a press conference event, right? Nintendo does their directs like once every couple months and then they have their big direct for E3 and then they have Nintendo Treehouse Live where they show all these games. So they are constantly making announcements throughout the year. Microsoft, of course, we just had the XO18 event. So we're fresh on kind of a, an Xbox press conference. Who knows, maybe Microsoft will do something before E3. I, again, highly doubt it, but then they have E3 and then maybe they'll come around for XO19. Who knows? Again, doubtful, but they have potential of having um, a lot of press for Microsoft. And so it's interesting because their competitors are going to be able to show off all the new things that they're working on. So unless I Sony has to have some sort of plan, they're high, I think they're going to stay silent and they're going to drop a bomb. If they don't, it's going to be a huge mistake because if they just eventually come up with some sort of press conference, let's say they skip E3 2019, and next year we just get PlayStation Experience like we have in years past, and it's very similar, pretty low-key announcements, maybe we get some release dates, I think that is going 
to not do very well for PlayStation. But I, I genuinely think that there is going to possibly be a PlayStation 5 announcement next year. And they're going to do it at their own event. And it's going to be kind of the setup for the next generation. Kind of similar how Microsoft has aimed a lot of their events recently. I think that's what's going to happen. So that's just my thoughts on what Sony has maybe planned. The other aspect of it is think of all the third-party developers who come and get a spot on Sony stage, right? You have big deals with people like Activision, with Call of Duty, with their content always coming first to PlayStation. Um, you have all these developers that make a lot of sales on PlayStation because PlayStation is the number one selling console currently. And it will be interesting to say, see if Microsoft is able to, to pull in even bigger third-party studios. We saw a lot at this last E3 for Microsoft, but if they're able to pull in some really awesome third parties to make their announcements on Microsoft's stage, that's going to do really good things for Microsoft. Even though the games are going to be available on PlayStation or possibly on Nintendo Switch or PC or whatever, it's going to make an impact if a game is announced and it's associated to Microsoft, right? That's going to push sales. Um, that's just business 101, okay? I know business. <laughs> Not really, but that, that's just the kind of the, the what common sense would lead me to believe. So I'm very interested. I think if Microsoft basically announces their next generation of console and PlayStation hesitates and doesn't do it in the right way, it's really going to benefit Microsoft at getting uh, a little bit closer to a fresh start next generation, whereas I think PS4 definitely beat them to the punch on this generation. Um, announcing the PS4 after the Xbox One and doing a much better job at showing what the PS4 is going to be for gamers. That's why PS4 sold, right? We look at last generation, a lot of people would say Xbox 360 was definitely the superior console compared to the PlayStation 3. Again, I can't speak for everybody, but I would say that would be the overall consensus on that. So it'll be interesting. Will we swap back or will, will Sony be able to remain on top? It's, it's really interesting. So big news, only time will tell. I, of course, will continue to update as stories come out. If Sony do make, I don't expect any announcements for the rest of the year, but next year we'll probably hear some more from Sony on what their plans are for next year, seeing as they're not going to be at E3 now. And then lastly, the last topic of the show, let's go Pokemon, let's go Pikachu, and let's go Eevee. So I got Pokemon, let's go Pikachu because, you know, I can't, I like Eevee, but I don't get the hype around Eevee, honestly. I like that Eevee can evolve. His evolutions are great, but I had to go with Pikachu. So I got Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. And now when I knew there was a Pokemon game coming to Switch and that this was announced, I, like a lot of Pokemon fans, were a little bit disappointed. Now, a part of me is still saying, okay, next year we have a new generation of, of Pokemon. That's the next gen Pokemon game that we're all expecting. I'm a little worried because... I'm worried that I'm going to overhype it in my mind and that next year the Pokemon game is going to come out and it's going to be a little disappointing. Well, the opposite of that happened where I was kind of 
had low expectations for Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. And I've been playing it now, and it's actually a really good game, in my opinion. I'm actually having a lot of fun with it. So I got the game. I Like I said at the top of the show, I played about two and a half hours worth. So Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu is a reimagining of you know Pokemon Yellow from back in the day. First of all, the game looks awesome. Visually, it looks amazing. I've played the 3DS Pokemon games, the most recent releases, and those games look great too, don't get me wrong. But uh, the, you can't deny that the... The picture and the the smoothness of everything just seems really good on the Switch. Not to mention that it's a hybrid and you could throw it up on your TV if you wanted to. That's really cool as well. Um, so there, I have some thoughts that I gathered from uh, just playing it. First thing is, they said that Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu is going to be aimed at a younger audience and for the casual gamer who maybe is not familiar with the Pokemon series. So I was that's why I was so turned off by this game. I was thinking that this game was going to be a complete joke, uh, basically a, a Pokemon Go mixed with some elements of the RPG Pokemon games, and that's what we were going to end up with. But thankfully, there's actually a lot more depth to it than I expected. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about is there is no... Uh, wild encounters with Pokemon where you battle them. No battles in the wild. All the Pokemon encounters aren't randomly triggered. You encounter Pokemon by, you actually see them on the map. So you see the map and you see the Pokemon walking around in the grass and you actually go up to the Pokemon, make contact with it. Then that initiates a basically an opportunity for you to catch that Pokemon. You can't battle it. And so this was announced um, when the details of the game were released. And to be honest with you, I was okay with the random encounters because although I kind of like the grind and using the random encounters to level up my Pokemon and, and get good at battling, it also sucked and could be really tedious because and really inconvenient, especially like when you're in a cave or something and you walk one foot, Zubat walk another foot geodude's coming at you you know you can't make it 10 feet without encountering a pokemon like you're buying 70 repels so that you can repel all these pokemon and not have to deal with their stupid random encounters so i have to say that i do like that aspect of it and i was worried that because you would just be catching that i'd take the fun out of it but the catching is really cool because you gain xp from catching it so it is making it really easy for your pokemon to level up like all your pokemon in your party level up when you catch a pokemon so so there's a little i like a little bit of that is like come on like that's a little easy i like to level my pokemon up um that was it takes out the the skill of having to grind like i said battling wild pokemon to get your pokemon to a certain level so you're ready for the next gym but again, it's going back to that thing that this is a game aimed for kids and a younger audience. So I get why they did that. Um, so to be honest with you, I'm okay with the, the catching system. It's great. I've caught a lot of Pokemon. I like how easy it is. It's cool because now you don't have to go to the Pokemon Center and boot up a PC and go into your, uh, you know, your Pokemon box and withdraw Pokemon, deposit Pokemon. Now you can all do that on the fly while you're out and about in the world. Um, you can choose what six Pokemon are in your party and you can swap in between as you go, which is really nice. I like that aspect of it. That's a cool thing I like. Um, Pokeballs are really easy to obtain. 
you basically get a Pokemon every time you... So there are battles. I Sorry, I should mention that there are still battles with uh, like people you encounter. And there are more than I thought there were going to be. The way I was worried is that there was going to be battling with something that was going to be something that was almost non-existent in the game. And thankfully, we're still there's still lots of opportunity to battle. I'm okay with that. The battles are way too easy. <laughs> they... So far, like I said, I've beat the first GM. I'm about two and a half hours in. Every like random person I've battled out on the routes and stuff um, are have one Pokemon. So like you beat the one Pokemon and you're good to go and you continue on. So that's interesting, but you know I I can't complain too much. The gym system is the same but different in the sense that you're still battling Brock, you're still battling Misty from Pokemon Yellow. But the thing is, is when you go to the gym, they actually restrict you in a way that actually will help you battle. And again, that is definitely shown to help younger players. It basically recommends, it doesn't recommend, it won't actually let you go into the gym unless you meet the certain requirements. Like you have a grass type Pokemon for Brock or whatever. Um, it's that kind of stuff that is helping the younger audience get good at the game as an experienced player who has played Pokemon since the very first one I know obviously what Pokemon are needed to be you know what other type of Pokemon and what Pokemon aren't going to do good and what I, I you know I'll change my party depending on what gym I'm battling and what specialties those those Pokemons are so it's interesting there's these things called like coach trainers that are on the paths that you encounter and it's basically like a, a tougher battle compared to the other random people that you um, trigger, trigger battle sequences with. And it's interesting because you will battle them. And again, it's like it's very obvious that they've put those in place to help make sure that you're leveling your Pokemon up so that when you get to the next area, you get to the next uh, when you get to Team Rocket or we have to battle the next big opponent you are prepared and your Pokemon are at the right level. So there's little things like that, but I have to say I'm having a really good time. I like the openness of it. The other thing that I do want to mention is I noticed that because the Switch is a little wider screen, the the field of view is bigger. And so when you're going around, the, the thing about the other games is because you were so restricted and couldn't necessarily see what was up on the path ahead, it kind of made it harder when you were trying to maneuver around dungeons it was almost like mazes right um i don't know how many times back in the day i would walk around you know mount uh mountain what is it? mountain moon mount moon and it was just like a maze to me i would walk around in circles but i got to that point today and i'm like okay i can see basically the whole cave i can walk around i can see where the walls are no problem um, it's pretty easy to maneuver. And so that little aspect of it was interesting that I, I noticed. Um, the same with like, as you go up on the route, you see, okay, there's a person up there. If I take this back route, I can totally, you know, avoid having to battle that person. Whereas back in the day, you would turn a corner. It's like, oh, dang, I triggered a battle sequence with this person because they spotted me, right? So the field of view thing is interesting. I did take note in that early on, but... To be honest, I like it. It's, it's enjoyable. It's a very casual game that I'm having fun with. It's great to have another Pokemon game. I'm excited to be able to import some of my Pokemon Go 
Pokemon into the game. That's really cool. But I think it's a good filler game for the time being. If I were to rate it out of 10, just based on my two and a half hours, I'm at a probably a seven out of 10. I'm hoping we can get that up to an eight, 8.5 by the time I, I hit the post game and see what that has to offer. So very interested. If you've played Pokemon Let's Go, I'd like to know what you think of the game. Make sure you email me, gamesarefunpodcast at gmail.com, or let me know on any of the social media sites, and I'll be able to share your guys' thoughts on next week's show, because I'm sure I'll continue to talk about it. All right, so let's get into last week's question of the week. So I asked you guys, what did I ask you guys? I need to pull up your guys' response to refresh my memory on what last week's question was uh so oh yeah that's right if i if you could choose any developer to choose any franchise you wanted what would it be and so coleman dean wrote in this, i should you know scrap the question of the week i should call this segment coleman and coleman and brian's corner this is coleman and Brian's segment where they write in and to one of my questions I ask each week with their answer, because that's basically what it is. But I like it. It's probably one of my favorite parts of the show is hearing what Coleman and Brian have to say to GAF community members. So Coleman says, if I could choose any developer to develop a game, it would be for DICE to develop a cinematic story-driven 007 game. It'd be super interesting to see the developers of the most cinematic and exciting first-person shooter games to give the 006 series a try. That's sweet. Um, I definitely can relate to that. I remember back in the day that I kind of talked about this on my video game history episode that 007 was kind of my introductory into first person shooters, obviously with GoldenEye, but even on the PlayStation 2 generation, I bought all these licensed James Bond games. And that would be really sweet to see, you know, um, dice who's really good at first person shooters you have battlefield you have battlefront beautiful first person shooters to take on a 007 game i mean it's possible i think if the 007 series was rebooted in a way like you have daniel craig don't get me wrong daniel craig area is great but if it was brought up in a way um refreshed again i think they would start making video games because they even have video games like quantum of solace for the Daniel Craig era of 007. And so if that series is freshened up in the movie world, I think we could see some licensed games. And hopefully if they get a, a cool developer, we could maybe get some really high quality licensed 007 games. So yeah, that'd be, I think that'd be sweet. And then Brian Paquin writes in, let me pull, pull it up here. I got to scroll through uh, and make sure I find it. Um, so his answer is, I want Bethesda to make an all-region hyper-realistic Pokemon game or NHL GM mode made by the people behind Football Manager. I think the Pokemon thing is excellent. Bethesda, obviously a studio that knows RPGs, um, Skyrim, Fallout, two awesome RPG series that are exceptional. And to think that if they made a world like Pokemon, that would just be the dream. That's why I'm really hoping next generation of Pokemon can make that meet that level of expectations because it would be so awesome. Because as a kid, you know, you're looking at Pokemon and thinking how cool it would be if it was, you know, a third person game 
and we're, we're getting closer as we get through the generations to that ideal Pokemon game. I think eventually we'll see it. I think it'll take time. Um, but yeah, that would be awesome if Bethesda did that. It would be crazy if like a big open world studio like Rockstar or something did a Pokemon game, I think. That'd be really sweet. And then of course, with your NHL GM mode, obviously Football Manager is the best simulation for managing a sports team. That would be hands down the best route for an NHL GM mode as well. So my answer to this, I thought about it a little bit and it's really tough. I think the the Pokemon thing is a dream of mine for a while, um, but I don't wanna cop out and just say I have the same answer as Brian. So I if I think to like my favorite studios, I think Naughty Dog is definitely up there as one of my favorite developers. And I think it would be really sweet to see naughty dog um explore maybe a game that is more multiplayer focused if that makes sense a game that you would maybe see uh, i'm trying to think here i had a good answer but now i've kind of geez see this is the thing i always forget i have my answers right like i'll i'll list my my question of the week one week i'll have my answer i'm like i'll be ready to go when i record the episode so many days have gone by that i've forgotten my answer but i think it'd be sweet to see um naughty dog do a kind of like a, a multiplayer game like like a online role-playing game um like if you think of like the world of warcraft for example a, a heavy mmo but like Naughty Dog doing some sort of story-based narrative about characters within the world of Warcraft and the different, you know, the Alliance or the Horde. That's actually a pretty dope answer that I just came up with on the spot. So I'm going to go with that. If Naughty Dog, I think the some of the best storytellers out there could do take a heavily multiplayer-focused game and turn it into a single-player story adventure... I think that would be really sweet. Anyways, this week's question, I talked about it at the top of the show. Send in what your favorite games were for 2018. That will be the question for the next couple weeks here. Tell me what your, your favorite game of the year was. What was the game that maybe didn't come out in 2018 that you actually spent a lot of time in? What was your favorite shooter? What was your favorite adventure game? That kind of stuff. Think about the categories I listed. Uh, from the Game Awards, and you can send in your answers. Of course, games are fun, podcast at gmail.com, or hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, any of those platforms, and then I'll read read your answers when we do the Games Are Fun Game Awards for 2018. So thank you very much for joining me on another episode of Games Are Fun. Games Are Fun is available every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Daylight Time, Boo You Mountain Daylight Time, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Um, enjoy your week play all the games, go out there on Black Friday, get some, there's some good deals out there, even for us Canadians who get the short end of Black Friday, because Black Friday is traditionally an American thing, we've kind of adopted it, go out, buy some video games, I'm looking at buying LA Noir for Nintendo Switch is 10 bucks, Battlefront 2 for Xbox or PS4 is 10 bucks, both at EB Games, and then God of War is like $30 right now, so I'm going to do that. Anyways, sure, I'll talk about that all next week with you guys. Check out Cyber Monday. Hopefully you guys can 
hunt for some good games. Anyways, have a good week and we will talk to you guys next Tuesday. See you later.